welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, the bodacious and bodastic Rex. Hello! What the hell does and bodacious for- and bodastic mean? There's, there's, there's a dictionary on Google. You can look it up. <laughs> but what if I don't... Okay, want- bodacious means boating, but you're emitting it. And, uh, what was the other word? Bodastic? Yeah. What the hell is oh. bodastic? That you're boating, but you're, it's astic, so it comes from below. Is that even a word? So I'm, I, what I'm saying is you're boating from both the top of yourself and the bottom of yourself. You're just boating everywhere. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so, hi, how are you? Outside of the, the comments. Uh, doing pretty good, uh, all things considered. You sound better. Yeah, since I finally um, figured out how to get my microphone working, since uh, the mic gain on the microphone itself, the physical knob that I uh, just uh, turn apparently doesn't work on my Yeti Nano for some reason, so I had to install the software. But anyways... A lot of fun with uh, I'm I'm still uh, I still have the sixty dollar microphone that I spent too much on, but it's got a nice uh, nice arm. I like the arm. To be honest, the arm is my favorite part. It's got a lot of uh, nice staticky noises on my end. Oh, <laughs> I see. <laughs> but like the arm is kind of cool because I can adjust it. Like now it's it's a little closer to me. Mm-hmm. My. Uh, my mouth. I don't know if it's obvious, uh, but it is. Mm. Uh, I mean, my microphone is just on my desk. Yeah, if I got a Yeti, I would find a way to retrofit it into this because I like oh, yeah, being no, able you to... Can, you can buy, like, arms for the oh, Yeti. I can buy an arm? Can I use the arm I currently have because I spent $60 kind of only on the arm? I don't know, but you can get arms for the Yeti. I'm going to have to look into getting an arm for the Yeti. <laughs> Dude, the arm is the the arm is what makes it feel professional. Hmm. I I'll agree with like, that. I, I I feel special because I have this. I have an, a third arm, and I feel special. <laughs> uh, besides the the new microphone, uh, what uh what what else is new? Have you watched any kaiju or tokusatsu? Uh. God, I'm trying to think. Uh, it feels like it's been. It's a been while. a while. Yeah, yeah. It's been almost a month, actually. Yeah. Um, what have I been watching? I've watched some. Watched some Garo. I finished the second series, Makai Senki. I don't remember if I mentioned that last time. And I watched the epilogue movie to that. I started the third Garo show and I'm struggling to get through it. And uh, uh, what else? I've watched. Oh yeah, I've watched Godzilla Singular Point twice. Yeah, that came out. <laughs> that 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 did come out. 
<laughs> and I'm almost done. I uh, I still have uh, four episodes. Hmm. Um, and I'll probably watch it on Monday or Tuesday. I see. <laughs> so that'll that'll be fun. Hmm. I'll say you you get a treat. Uh, on the next episode you watch, you'll get a treat with the soundtrack. <laughs> oh goody! I actually no. I, this isn't a singular point review. I was about to go into stuff, but this isn't singular point. <laughs> That's down the road. <laughs> um. So a lot of Garo, it sounds like. Uh, a bit. Anything yeah. else? Uh, I. There was something else I watched um, that was Tokusatsu, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> oh? Well, outside of the uh, two films that, we're, that we may or may not be covering today. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I was... Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Garu is something I need to get into. But I uh, I need to buy season one, volume one, on Blu-ray, and the cheapest one is a hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, isn't that nice? Not doing it. Neither am I. I I I I, I, I no. I I love the first Gara series. It it's almost perfect. Not quite, but almost. I love it. But. I'm not paying 150 for half the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, as, as for me, I uh, sting kind of on the Garo thing. I watched Cyber Ninja, mm. uh, Kita Anamiya's first film mm. before he did uh, Garo, which I, I want to cover on here because it's got a very awesome historical factor that nobody talks about. Um, I won't talk about it here because that should be for the episode we cover on it mm. uh, whenever we do. Mm. Um, so I watched that. I watched uh, Kibikichi 2, uh, finally, uh, which is a sequel to Kibikichi, um, which is like a uh, samurai action uh, yokai movie. Mm. Um, they made two of them. Kind of cool. I see. Um, Trying to think here. Watched uh, nine episodes of Godzilla Singular Point. Uh, what else have I seen? I watched One Miss Call, the first one directed by Takeshi Miike. Oh, you did. I finished the. Uh, I did. Um, I watched the Ring quadrilogy. So Ring, Spiral, Ring Two, and Ring O. Hmm. Um, that was a journey. <laughs> kind of interesting, kind of cool, to be honest. It was, it was my first big jump in the J-horror. Yeah. That was awesome. I, I didn't um, watch the Ring movies. I need to get the Arrow set. That's what I really... You do. It's got a good cal- uh, commentary from Cali. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, let's see. I watched Kawaiidan. Uh, a, uh, a 60s uh, J-Horror film. I love the title Quite On. Mm-hmm. I, I like saying it Quite On. It, it's, a, it's, a it's a cool word. I really like it. Mm. Um, very art housey, very quiet, very long. But I, I enjoyed it. I, I did. Mm. Um, Invisible Man Appears. I might have mentioned that last time. Uh, 
trying to trying to think here. What else have I? Pulse. I watched Pulse. Oh yeah. Uh, I watched a little bit of Goemon. Uh, I, I couldn't finish it though. Mm. Um, hmm, what else? Uh, I already talked about Returner. Uh, hmm, is that everything? I'm trying to think of what's on my uh, DVD shelf because I got that. That's that's where I watch everything is from my DVD shelf. <laughs> Monster Seafood Wars, maybe, maybe I've watched that since the last time I've talked. I don't know. I um, think you might have brought that up. Uh, one of the previous recordings. I could be wrong. Executive Executive Koala and the Rug Cop, though. I watched those. Those are Kawasaki films. I was about to ask. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and I... It's about it. Tetsuo 2 Body Hammer, probably, I haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I've, I've watched a good selection. Yeah. And uh, I hope to watch some more. Mm. Especially with the announcements that came out recently for Ultraman 80, the Star Ultraman, and uh, Snake and the Silver-Haired Witch. Yeah. Really excited about those. Bit of a shame that that there aren't HD transfers of 80 or Star Ultraman, though. Yet. 80 does have one, but it's airing this late summer fall. Hmm. So, a little late on that one. And uh, I don't know about Star Ultraman, but I I was talking to a friend of mine earlier today, and uh, the thing about them is Mill Creek's talking about reissuing Ultra Q and Ultraman Hmm. with the new new, HD transfers that they've done recently. So I wouldn't be surprised if they announce an Ultraman 80 reissue next year. Hmm. I, I can definitely see them doing like a reissue of eighty on Blu-ray affair if there is um a HD transfer of it. Mm-hmm. Especially if the DVD does well. Yeah. If the DVD does well, they'll definitely put it on Blu-ray as soon as possible. Oh yeah, definitely. Which is cool. I'm excited to because uh, next year, if everything goes correctly. Um, so the two Ultra, it, notice this, the two Ultraman DVDs are September. Yeah. You still have, like, December. Um, we have nothing uh, in December. Now, let's see, August, October, November. So that's three months. And it's been, when did Leo came out? Leo came out in May. Okay. And then... It was a uh, it was a month between Leo and uh, the two Ultras, and then July are uh, three for that. So yeah, we could see something in in December, hopefully, or January, um, which will be probably is it Mebius before Mega Monster yeah. Battle? Yeah, we'll probably see a Mebius announcement, but I think Mebius also doesn't have an HD transfer. Huh. Um. I I saw that somewhere. Let me. I think it's Mebius, uh, Nexus, eighty, and Star Ultraman do not have Blu-rays yet. Yeah, which is scary because I want to see Nexus, and if that's not on HD, I'm gonna be a little sad. Yeah, I mean Nexus still looks good in four eighty. I thought it was seven twenty. Uh, I I watched it on Crunchyroll and it was in four eighty. Ah. Hopefully that's just Crunchyroll. 
Hopefully. So yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of tokusatsu. It's been a while, so hopefully you guys don't mind that we kind of took a little bit more to talk about that stuff than I think we usually do. Yeah. Um, but as Rex said it earlier, today we are covering not one but two films. Whoa. Damn. Um, the reason. The the reason for this is initially it was only going to be one, which was Howl from Beyond the Fog. But I was talking to Rex and I said, yeah, it'll be shorter than our typical, you know, recordings. And I was like, wait a minute. There's other kaiju short films out there. Yeah. <laughs> and and I was like, why not do a double feature? I mean, to total, they add up to an hour. So it's a feature length. So we can have a episode length recording talking about these two films and from my research i kind of realized the uh the secondary film that i'll let rex reveal um in a second doesn't get a lot of publicity because in my uh in my research i got likely pretty much nothing yeah same here like there's nothing on the movie. Yeah. Like, there was a little bit relating to, like, the most I could find was, like, an interview with the director. And even mm-hmm. then, it only talks about the the short film briefly and moves on to other things. And that was conducted by our friends over at Kaiju Transmissions, which was really cool. Yeah. So, but yeah, I unfortunately that is really the only bit of publicized information on this hmm. uh, this other short film. Uh, hopefully, with this recording, I can kind of, you know, maybe some people can reach out. I thought about seeing if I could reach out to the director and uh, ask him some questions, kind of see if I can get some news or information on the on the movie to you know publicize maybe in an article or something because mm. um, it'd be nice to yeah <laughs> um so rex what is the uh what's the other film we're talking about today well our second film is a 2014 short film by kazuhiro nakagawa called day of the kaiju there we go <laughs> So today we'll be talking about Howl from Beyond the Fog and Day of the Kaiju. Um, we'll talk about Howl first, and then we're going to end so we can really like put the spotlight on uh, on Day of the Kaiju yeah. for you guys to uh, enjoy. So do we want to go ahead and jump right into Howl from Beyond the Fog? <laughs> sure. All right. So first things first, I just want to point out that uh, I originally believed this was the last Heisei film, but after some further research, this is actually not the first Riwa film, but it is actually the sixth Riwa film Hmm. that is Kaiju. Um, It followed, so get this, Rex, the first Kaiju Riwa film was God Raiga versus King Oga. It came out May 7th, and the Riwa era started May 1st. (laughs) And guess what the second Riwa film was? Godzilla. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. You want to know what the third one was? 
Go ahead. Pokemon Detective Pikachu. <laughs> the fourth one was the Ultraman Taiga movie. <clears throat> the fifth one, now granted this did premiere in 2019, but the release date I got was in for uh for August. Uh Attack of the Giant feature. Ah, your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> And finally, we've got Howl from Beyond the Fog. Hmm. And I think this was actually the last uh, kaiju film of 2019. Oh. oh, yeah. Didn't it come out around like November? December? November. Yeah. November 24th, 2019 was its release date. Yeah. Um, and actually, the only other film, a uh, kaiju film from 2019 was Ultraman R&B, the movie. Hmm. So... Not not a whole lot going on in 2019, surprisingly. Mm. So with that, uh, interesting how how it took us a few movies to get in a few two good good movies in the Rewa era. Mm. <laughs> uh, back to back, in fact, Attack of the Giant Teacher and then Howl from Beyond the Fog. <laughs> Just to really start us off, this film was directed by Daisuke. Uh, Sato, did I, I think I pronounced that right? I, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably like Daisuke. Daisuke? Yeah. Daisuke Sato. Yeah. Um, he also designed the kaiju in this, Nebula. Mm. Uh, he had worked previously on Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack, mm. Ultraman Mebius, and the Ultra Brothers, Gamera the Brave, and a few other things. Um, I think Ultraman Max was on there. And final wars. Uh, final wars, that's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, quite a quite a nice little uh, it's got a, resume. Got a good of, uh, of, filmography, uh, small but yeah. Um, it, but this was his first time being a director um, on a longer film. Because, and this is, uh, I got a little surprise for you, Rex, because I don't know if you did the research mm -hmm. on this. So, obviously, we know that Howl from Beyond the Fog was inspired by the Foghorn yeah. by Ray Bradbury, right? Yeah. That book is still copyrighted. So, this isn't an adaptation of that book. Hmm. It's an adaptation of a short film. Really? Directed by Daisuke Sato. Oh, is that the thing? Is that the um? Is that the what was it? Two thousand six or two thousand seven short? Two thousand and seven, The Foghorn, directed by Daisuke, uh, Daisuke Sato. Hmm. And uh, I I did some hard looking, and uh, I just sent you a message. The film's not available, but I found some stills from the movie. Yeah, they show a little bit of it um, in the making of. Mm -hmm. uh, it was directed by Sato, and it was uh, featuring the crew from Godzilla Final Wars and Gamera the Brave, um, his friends he had made. Mm. It was completely shot in black and white, and he did it because of his love for Kaiju and the Foghorn. Mm. Um. I, uh, as I said, this is unreleased. The uh, trailer was released about a decade ago, but it's since gone. I've reached out to somebody trying to get it, but I did reach out to a friend of mine 
who actually knows about this project, and I found out it was supposed to be released by SRS Cinema. Really? Um, however, the Bradbury estate couldn't, uh, wouldn't allow for it to be brought uh, released. So unfortunately, the film has gone uh, to copyright uh, hell. Mm. So there is another film directed by Sato, <laughs> and it is the inspiration for Howl from Beyond the Fog. Mm. So there's another kaiju short film out there. There is, and that was all we can cover about it because it's impossible to find. It's mm. unfortunate. So we're actually covering three films today, <laughs> except one of them we can't watch. Yeah, we've never so, seen it. Yeah, if I if I do get the trailer though, I'll I'll see if I can send it out mm. at the very. Beginning. It's uh, there's there's a still from from it uh behind the scenes and there's a scene i think from or i think it's a still from the movie that's the actual lighthouse mm. but yeah i thought that was really cool actually that sato uh had worked on a film yeah and that looking was at, the yeah. actual looking at the stills you can kind of specifically with a monster you can kind of see an ever like a real big uh for lack of a better term, uh, glow up, <laughs> as people say, with the monster designs, where in the foghorn, it's very simple. Like the the back of the kaiju in one of the still images looks like a almost like a loaf of bread, and in general, the the texture and just shape of it is very simple. Not particularly memorable. Meanwhile, and how? Uh, what's the way to describe it? In how it's got more it's of more this... complex. Yeah, yeah, it's more detailed, more complex, and there's some nice little details such as the logs on the back of Nebula. Yeah, uh, I I think Howl is better. I mean, yeah. overall, from what I've seen. Yeah. But the fact that Sato directed a, a mo like a the only direct adaptation of a, the Foghorn, hmm. and it's Tokusatsu, <laughs> and it's filmed in black and white, mm -hmm. is remarkable. Yeah. I really wish the Bradbury Estate would allow it to be released. Yeah. Because it that is it, nobody. I honestly. There's one blog on it, and the blog is broken. <laughs> I had to dig it through Tumblr to get the stills. Mm. The The video's gone. It's the only information I could get is it's 20 minutes long. Yeah. It's unreleased. It was directed by Sato. I have the casting crew. Um, I can uh, look for that mm. if you're interested. It was shot in black and white. Yeah, production started in the early 2000s and ended in 2007. It was done because he loves the Foghorn and the Godzilla films. Yeah. And that's it. Mm. That, that's all the information. Um, mm. So that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Hopefully, somehow, in some way, more light comes to the Foghorn over time. Mm -hmm. 
it's a lost kaiju film. Yeah. And I, it sucks because, like, even I don't think John LeMay's uh, big book of uh, Japanese giant monster movies, The Lost Films, covers it. Because it's just, yeah, it's so low that. profile. Yeah, I think you're actually, uh, yeah, I think you're actually right about that. So, mm. I just, uh, this, this might become my new obsession. <laughs> because I, I, the film looks good. It looks like a, a like, the first take of Howl from Beyond the Fog. Like an early draft of sorts, if you will. Yeah. And I just, I love it. And I think the story is so sad of the the actual Foghorn. I think it's so sad that, of how the actual story is. Mm. Um, and I'd love to see an actual proper uh, version of the book turned into a movie. Mm. So, this is like the a gold mine for me. <laughs> oh, ET! I found a trailer for it. Are you sure? Yes. Oh wait, really? Yes. Did he release it? It's or... unlisted. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay, let's let's watch this. It is. Okay, we're watching this in real time. <laughs> okay. I really feel Howl from this. Yeah. <laughs> Even the music is kind of like Howl's. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> oh, this looks so good. Oh, man. Yeah, I really hope somehow, some way, get to see we get to see the full short film. I don't know how, but God, that that I'm, looks really cool. Uh, on the Twitter feed, uh, when this gets released, I'm I'm going to be talking about this. <laughs> oh, that looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God. Mm. So uh and I will uh for anybody listening, I will post the trailer. Um I- I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put a uh a, a bit that says link to Foghorn trailer. Yeah. Um so you can watch this. I'm going to just in case because it is unlisted, there might be a reason for that. Yeah. If Sato's listening to this. Uh, we open love up the Kickstarter. We we will pay you. We will pay to get this released. Please p- give us money to pay for the rights to release this. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would give them a hundred dollars. Like uh, no 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 questions about it. I would totally help get it released. Mm. It looks. It's not as well done as Howl, but you can tell it's done for lower budget and probably less people, too. So, for what it is, it looks quite nice, and I really want to see it. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised nobody talked about it um, 
after the film came out or the howl came out yeah. because it's on the bonus feature and it's the first thing on there. Yeah. And it, I, it might be because people kind of, cause I initially, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Whatever. But then I was like, wait a minute, a 2007 movie, hold up. And then I went back and I was like, okay, I got to look now. And so I, I, I dove on, on Google for it. Yeah. <laughs> And initially, the blog I went to was like it, it was one of those like shady websites. Mm -hmm. And my Google was like, "You cannot go here." And I was like, "I am. if I, I have am. to delete you, I'm going to." But I'm getting on that. <laughs> You're not stopping me. I need to read about. Yeah, this. I don't. And I, I don't do. care if I get a virus. I need to. I need to know is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, I was I was like, "Oh my god, I need to see this now." Yeah looks so cool well that's all i gotta say about that uh, i think we we spent a good amount of time more than you were uh, expecting more than i was expecting i was expecting us uh to just kind of like gloss gloss over it yeah um but i'm happy we did it because it needs to i guess this is like we're the episode where we're highlighting some smaller stuff so that's good. I mean, who knows? It maybe somehow us bringing attention to it will inspire some someone listening to put forth the effort to I don't know, get it released or find find more information on it. Wishful thinking, but you never know. I uh I think I'm friends with him on Facebook. I might reach out to him. <laughs> I'm going to get obsessed over this already now. <laughs> so, back on to Howl from Beyond the Fog now. So, development of this film started in 2016. Hmm. That's kind of when they started putting forth the effort to remake it. Yeah. And then they started working on the suit in 2017. So, they spent three years on this movie. Hmm. And, so about you, but I can kind of tell. Yeah. You can see a lot of passion. I'd say, was put forth into how? It really tries to honor theater along with film. Mm. And I like that. What, what, what I was sort of thinking when watching it is it goes back to an old, I want to say it's a Subaraya quote, but I could be wrong, where special effects, the point of special effects is to tell a story. This is an entirely special effects movie telling a story that, to, to me, it's almost a story that you could pass, that would be, like, passed down to between generations or, like, a fairy tale. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the film itself has a very dreamlike, fairy tale-ish look, which I really like. Yeah. And I think the... the... The moment whenever uh, our female character is thrown into the lake, mm. um, I, I think during that sequence when we kind of yeah. see what that I, I think that really uh, hammers in that that dreamlike state to an extent. Mm. This isn't intentional, but it it kind of reminded me of the of uh, one of the Garo films, which is actually a yeah. film itself. Kiba Gaiden, because that had a lot of 
that had a lot of animation in it to which was mostly to save on budget but it gave it a very it, it made it stand out and and it was quite unique just for that alone and i think it really added to the experience of that movie it it, it really is hard to pinpoint why for me at least I, I guess i just have an easier time saying why i don't like certain things rather than why i like something but it's something that i've definitely noticed between both these films now would you say the animation part detract from the film for you or make it better i'd say it makes it, it I, I don't see how it really detracts uh, the the only slight detraction is maybe it goes on for just a little bit too long but even then that's like a very minor nitpick on my end because most of it is it, it serves a purpose to feed information to the audience mm-hmm. in it and not just through a standard like flashback where like fade to white and then show a scene from the past with like maybe like a uh, slightly desaturated color correction or color thing. Yeah. And it, may, I personally, it makes the scene more memorable too. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, when I'm watching it, it's like, uh, I, I, at that moment, I realized, especially with the animation style they went with, I realized this is more of an artsy film. Hmm. Um, and I, I'm not too fond of that part, the the animation part, but I have very much a uh, a biased hatred towards animation. So I don't know if you can really accept my my opinion as uh valid or not you're a big you're a big fan of uh i i know you're you really enjoyed ava and the anime trilogy of godzilla films (laughs) (laughs) i know those left a great impression on the medium on your end no (laughs) not not really Uh, actually, not not at not at all. No. <laughs> yeah, no. The film the film looks very nice. I mean, you, again, it's not a realistic looking movie, but that's not the right. point. It's not supposed to be realistic looking. And like the only time I I'd say there's a couple moments where. The effects do kind of take me out a little bit. And that's only when there's a really low quality CGI fire and then some low quality, I can't speak, low quality CGI smoke at a couple points. Like when uh, at the end of the film, when the bridge collapses, it to me, it looks like the bri- they destroy part of the bridge. And then the whole bridge falls, but it falls too far, so they try, kind of tried to cover it with smoke to make it look less jarring, and it's like, yeah, you can kind of still see it. Yeah, I, I noticed that at the very end, yeah. um, the, the smoke effects aren't as polished as they could have been. Yeah. 
Well, the CGI smoke effects, the the ones that they did with actual like smoke machines, look oh. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do like how speaking of the how Nebula uh, itself, it's it's sort of breath weapon that we always must have with our kaiju. Uh, how it it is smoke. I think that fits perfectly with the aesthetic of the film. Yeah, I really like how he breathes in the fog and then lets it out. I think that is really cool. Yeah. Now, speaking of the effects, we need to mention the big thing attached to this movie. Yes. The effects and the suit making, it was not necessarily designed, but the making of the suit was supervised by Izo Marase. Yeah. I think I pronounced that name right. Hmm. And why is he special Rex? Well, E.T., he is a Japanese suit maker um, who worked with Toho his, on the sculpt. He, worked, he started by working with Toho on Varan the Unbelievable as the sculptor of Varan, and he went on to sculpt Mothra, King Kong, Matango, Godzilla multiple times, Gamera, Yongeri, Imagine, and many other kaiju. You forgot the most important one. What one? The mighty Peking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did that one too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Which is really awesome. Uh, not not the Peking man part, but, but the Marase attached to this. <laughs> uh, I mean, the guy is in his 80s? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Which is really awesome. And the fact that after this, he decided to direct his own film mm. is even cooler. Because mm. um, him, mm-hmm, him and Sato are working on Brush of the Gods coming out this year, apparently? It's either this um, year or next year. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's in November because, uh, you know, even though Howl was in production from 2016 to when it came out, it didn't start filming until January of 2019. Yeah. Um, which was only a mere 10 months before it came out. Yeah. So if this is a short film... It probably is coming out like December, November of this year. Yeah. We'll see. But we should be seeing a trailer. Honestly, it should be any time. That's why I think it might have been delayed a bit due to the production budget setback. Mm. Which was unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But the test Um, footage looks really goddamn good. I've I've chosen not to watch it. You haven't seen the test footage? Because it I, I've chosen not to because I saw still and that still sold me on the movie. I don't need to see the footage. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's one of my most anticipated because it looks it it's got the same vibe as Howl, yeah, but more it's got more of a color palette with green and I like that. Mm. It's a little more colorful. And I can't wait to see what uh, green and purple specifically, because Orochi is purple, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, which I'm really excited to see how that looks. Mm. 
So God, I can't wait for that. Hopefully, it's the best iteration of Orochi we've had mm. um, in in Suitmation. Yeah. Uh, so you know the the Kickstarter for this, which I found out a few of my friends actually helped back this, which is really cool. Yeah, you're, you're, um, if you're in the Kaiju fandom, you'll recognize quite a few names <laughs> in the yeah. credits. Yeah. Um, which surprisingly, my first time noticing people I know in credits, I. I, I I know uh, from oh I watched uh, Zilla Foot. Oh yeah, that's another kaiju movie I uh, watched recently. That has a... I know some of the people in that. Yeah, I I think I know a guy um, who was involved in that too. Oh yeah, yeah, he's an asshole. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, this movie started the Kickstarter back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um. And it did beat its goal. It actually beat it, uh, I think, 150%. It, it surpassed what it was supposed to. Mm. Um, yeah. So it had a budget of 2 million yen, mm. which is not less than, like, what, $2,000? Uh, $2,000? I think it's more than that, but it's like 20000 ish roughly? 20000 that's not a lot of money to make a film with. <laughs> you you can you buy a car for twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that's not a whole lot. Mm. Not a whole lot at all. So the fact that they were able to do what they were. Yeah, yeah. Um and then, you know, it after you know they they started filming in 2019 and then they released it to film festivals and then 2020 srs cinema picked up the rights to it Mm. uh, and released it on blu-ray and vhs with a new blu-ray coming out and the dvd coming out in july of this year yeah so new cover and everything mm -hmm. awesome matt frank artwork which you can see at our beautiful beautiful podcast square (laughs) and uh, a typical DVD cover that looks more like a ripoff of King of the Monsters, but I digress. Yeah. But overall, like uh, that, that's really the the history behind this film. Mm. Um, but I'm happy it is. It, it's it's nicely publicized. Mm. Uh, Sato had a great a interview with Benjamin Chapins, who's been on the podcast. Oh yeah. Um, he's. You know, uh, uh, John LeMay covered this in his book. Hmm. Um, and, you know, there's a great 35-minute bonus feature on the Blu-ray that talks about the making of, which is pretty thorough. It, it pretty much yeah. gives you a good idea of how everything everything works. I mean, it goes from, what, it goes from the Foghorn to... To 2017, when they started working on it, to... Suit design to convention, mm-hmm. all that. <laughs> yeah, just all the way up until pretty much its release. Yeah. Hell, you even get to see Keizo Murase at G Fest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which I remember that. I remember that very well. And there's also a. I was something I also noticed um, in uh, one of the conventions. I think it was the Tokyo one. Where in in the background you can just see advertisement for 
the 20 the Ultraman anime as well as the Blu-ray for Gridman and you just see <laughs> a Gridman suit and it looks pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that and I was like yo is that Gridman <laughs> yeah you sent me a message and I had to laugh <laughs> So and uh, that making of is great. Like I said, it's literally all the key points you need to know up until its release. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and honestly, you you get that John LeMay's book talks about the release, and so does Wikisilla somewhat. So you got the release, you know, mm. and then if you kept up to date after that, I mean, it's pretty simple. SRS got the rights. Yeah, and they released it. It is their best selling. Tokusatsu Kaiju film. Hmm. It, it, it sold so well they sold out and they had to release it. Which is awesome. Hmm. Um, so this this is easily their biggest film, their most successful film, and I love that. Hmm. <laughs> now we I think we've pretty well discussed the production, yeah, but we have absolutely ignored our thoughts on the film, which I mean, you know, we've only kind of danced around it, really, <laughs> yeah, so Rex, what's your first of all, what's your history with this movie? Uh, well, I do I have like a slight history of it where like I remember just browsing YouTube and seeing a video, it might have been Titan Goji's video, I could be wrong, mm -hmm. about this about this short film called How From Beyond the Park. Never heard of it before. I was like, oh, what's this? Watched that video and got really, really interested in the film. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it looked and sounded pretty awesome. Gave it a look up and, yeah. oh, what do you know? There's a Twitter. What do you know? It comes out soon. And yeah, I've been sort of following it, was following it for a little while. Wasn't really much I could do with following it since, you know, it was coming out in Japan and didn't get its Blu-ray here in the West until 2020. But it was still mm -hmm. really cool seeing all the photos and behind the scenes stuff since... They've got all the like, the making of on the Blu-ray, but you can mm -hmm. find you can find uh, sections of it on YouTube, and it was really cool seeing. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, Matt Frank, uh, who has drawn multiple posters for it, got to go inside the Nebula suit, which mm -hmm. I'm absolutely jealous of, <laughs> and I'm sure everyone <laughs> else would be. <laughs> sure. Um, now, you said that you own two SRS releases. Was this your first one, or was this your second one? Well, the thing is, uh, technically both of them are my first, because okay. I pre-ordered both How From Beyond the Fog and Kong TNT. Which one did you add to your card first? Probably How, because that was the one I was most interested in. I see, I see. <laughs> So this was your technical first SRS release, too? Technically, yes. Awesome. And I have both posters, which I, I'd love to hang up at least one of them sometime. Mm -hmm. As for me, uh, 
I, I had I, I didn't know anything about this. Mm. Um, unlike Rex, I don't watch Kaiju YouTube. Mm. Uh, I only found out about it because it was on Twitter. Um, people, mm. my friends, uh, had reposted stuff about it. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, that looks awesome. <laughs> uh, specifically, the shot of Nebula, it's a low-angle shot. It's it's a dolly shot, too, in the film. And it's where he's walking through the city. Yeah. Low-angle uh, that shot just kind of stuck with me, and mm. I was like, "Wait a minute, what 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 is this movie?" And so I I watched it, uh, or I I watched like a little clip, and I was like, "I'm sold." And so I just waited and heard so much about it until I heard that SRS was releasing it, mm. and then uh, and then I ordered it uh, from SRS, which then my copy got delayed. Um, and lost in shipping for three weeks. Oh, that's right. Because I remember, like, and I remember going like, "Hey, all of my friends, have you seen How yet?" <laughs> all of my friends, actually, one of my friends also had this problem, but everybody else had their copy and had watched it. I'm over here, like, I, I, I want, I, I want to, I want to watch. The movie and I watched the movie and every day I would I every morning and every night I would check that USPS shipping label tracking and it had not moved from California and I emailed Ron I was like Ron you gotta help me it's not moving I want a, a howl from beyond the fog and Ron you know the the guy over at SRS amazing customer service had me sign a agreement that if I did get that release, I would ship it back to him and pay for the, the shipping. Mm. Um, and he would send me a replacement copy with the posters mm. free of charge. Mm. And within a week, I got it and I watched it and I loved it. <laughs> Did you end up getting uh, the second copy or no? No. Oof. No, it, it, it still says it's shipping. <laughs> Damn. In like a year, it'll come to me. It'll be like, oh, <laughs> guess I should send this to Ron. <laughs> send it his way. So <laughs> that's my history with this movie. Mm. Uh and then, of course, I uh, I conducted research for this podcast. Yeah, highlighting some indie films, three of them to to be technical. <laughs> so that that's a lot of fun. Hmm. Um. So I guess we'll. I, I I think our our thoughts are kind of bleeding through a bit. Yeah. So Rex, what what do you think about this film exactly? Well, as I said earlier, I, I, I really like this film. It's got a very, I, I really like the dream, the the dream or fairy tale like feel and aesthetic of the film. I think it's, it's not like something that's unheard of or unseen in the kaiju or tokusatsu genre, but it's not something you see often like when when most of if say most of what you watch was like Godzilla or Ultraman or Gamera, you wouldn't see a lot of it 
with them. So it's a nice breath of fresh air in that regard. Mm-hmm. E- even more so when, like, because uh, I really like the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Not a perfect movie, but it's it's a classic for a reason. Of course. And so it, it is nice sort of seeing this as as its own, as a loose adaptation, both being loose adaptations of the same story. Mm-hmm. It's nice to sort of think of how different a retelling can be. And yeah. Hollywood should learn from this. <laughs> but they won't. <laughs> but no. I mean, hmm? to be technical, though, this is a bastardization of yeah. Yeah. But it's but it's become its own thing. And I think that got messed up in translation. Mm-hmm. I think what people are trying to say is it's an adaptation of a thousand film, two thousand seven film called The Foghorn mm-hmm. that's based off of the Bradbury story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that got lost in translation somewhere. Quite possibly. So now people completely cut out that middle man and they're like, it's an adaptation of the Bradbury story, hmm. which is not as accurate. I, I, it's obvious he took inspiration. Yeah. But it's not actually what the film is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's, that's why there's no credit to the Bradbury estate. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I I really enjoyed this film. I I actually think I might have enjoyed it more on rewatch. I did too. Yeah, because the the doll puppet stuff is hard to really like get over. Mm. It's really jarring. Hmm. I mean, it's not it's not the first. Uh, it's not even the first kaiju short film to have it have puppets like uh. Probably isn't the first, but Kaiju Bunraku. I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's like it's a short film about Mothra. Oh yeah. And it's it's got puppets and all that. Puppets, uh it's done in the traditional Bunraku style of I wanna say stage slash puppet performance. It it's really weird if you are not familiar with that style because I I, I I had never heard of Bunraku beforehand. But it's also kind of cool seeing it. It's very unique amongst the kaiju genre. Yeah. So yeah, it was a little less jarring seeing how, but seeing it again makes it even less jarring <laughs> since you're already uh, used to it. Yeah, uh, for me at least, the puppet thing I automatically think of Starfleet or also known as X Bomber, hmm. um, TV show. Yeah, that was Japanese. Yeah, no, I I really do like this film. I think the monster Nebula is really cool. It's it's a mostly simple design, but there's just the new the nuances to the design, such with things like the moss and the logs. Something about that just make Nebula really, really memorable. And then it's got its foghorn roar, too. Oh my god, that roar. 
I'm gonna have a whole rant about that roar in a second. <laughs> yeah. My my only real problem with the film is some of the post production and editing. Because there are some definite mistakes there. Uh like one moment early in the film where where you've got two shots and there's a space in between two shots and it's just it's very brief it's only like a couple frames where it's just black because there's nothing there and it's like it's an i i get that it's an easy mistake to make uh but it's it's also something that you'll you'll know you'll see it immediately when it ha- if you if you watched it you'll see it and it'll take you out of the experience for a bit and it's something that i i feel unless my guess for why it's there is i i guess they were just um strict for time like they they probably were this was probably happening it's like their last chance to render the film it was probably early november yeah it was yeah, probably like yeah. the first November. Last chance to really get to render the film. And it was it's only in that one main moment, so they're like kind of compromised for time. Yeah. And then of course some of the uh CGI smoke and fire effects I mentioned earlier. You know, I, I don't mind it so much with the fire i think the fire looks so it looks dreamy it looks cartoony but i think it adds to the the narrative mm-hmm. uh, it's for me the the actual smoke effects um the cgi stuff is a little jarring yeah but that's where my biggest complaint comes from mm. so what's this little rant about a roll? oh yeah <laughs> so okay First of all, the soundtrack is really good. I love the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Um, and the miniatures are really, really good. Like mm. the I, I I I can't give you a bad thing about them. Mm. Um everything about Nebula is really good. I love his design, I love his execution. But my favorite and this is a first, this is like an only only time. My favorite thing about him is the roar. Hmm. It's a roar that if you if you sit back and you think, okay, what should a monster sound like? The nebula roar is exactly what it should be. A haunting, alarming, loud, strong, echoing roar. Hmm. If I heard that and I was walking through the, the uh woods, I would freak out. It's so haunting. It's it sounds like a foghorn. It sounds like something that, if if played loud enough, I I could easily believe. Oh, you shatter someone's eardrums with it. It's it's such an eerie sound that mm. when I hear it, I immediately think danger. Yeah, and I it's. When when I think about it and hear it, I get goosebumps because I I kind of get into that feeling of dread. Mm. 
it's such a haunting sound. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's so rich with, with the unknown. Mm. And I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah. Because that's really what Nebula is, is the unknown. He's apparently the mountain lake god. Yeah, something like that. And his roar really helps him with that. He's loud, he's strong, he's booming, but he's unknown. Nobody knows about him. And even in the... We, we don't even get a good explanation for why he exists. Yeah. And it's such a haunting sound to a monster we know nothing about mm. that shrouds himself in fog. It's so interesting and so awesome. <laughs> yeah, no. and and it again, adding to, with that sense of danger, it adds a real atmosphere. It, it helps with the atmosphere of the film and Nebula and the aura sort of around uh, the monster. Oh yeah, especially during that first scene. Honestly, this is one of the best kaiju films of the two thousand. Oh, definitely. Objectively speaking, I think it is the best. Mm. Um, personally, it's not my favorite, but it's easily top five. Yeah, I think it's SRS the second best film they put out. Uh, let me guess what the first best is. Yeah. <laughs> does it does it star a giant teacher? It does. <laughs> but like, it's such. It's a gem that I could see in thirty years from now, like Criterion putting out. <laughs> that is and, high praise. And, <laughs> I, I I do I I think it it's artsy enough it's experimental in a way with its with its animated style you know during during the film hmm. um and I tell me if I read this right but her mother is who made her blind right? yeah okay and was that did she did she put her fingers in her eyes I think. That's kind of how I took it. Was she? She grabbed her head and. I'm trying to remember. It was. She the 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 mother or the aunt definitely, uh, was the one that. That uh blinded the the girl. Like mm. when whenever I watched that for the first time and I and I was hearing that part of the scene with with the animal face like. Oh my god. <laughs> this just took a hard right turn. <laughs> but it was so, it, it really, I think, puts you in the moment of, okay, so the this girl has gone through a lot. The monster is like the only thing that's treated her nicely. Hmm. Um, didn't, they her just her up in a... didn't they also say that the, the girl's mother had uh, seen the monster? as well probably i i think they did yeah um because like her aunt her aunt just locked her up yeah 
her mother made her blind. Everybody else wants to kill her. Mm. Uh, until her cousin. Yeah, when AG comes around, then she's got another person. Mm. But until then, she's kind of left alone, except for the monster. Yeah. And isn't the monster blind too? Wasn't that kind of the... I don't think they do. I don't remember if they directly say it. I don't think they do, but I've read somewhere that he is. Mm. I mean, you could you could argue that it's visually implied with the monster's pupils. Because mm-hmm. they're very white. Yeah. So that, that probably, it, again, don't remember if they say it, but that probably was the intent. Honestly, the movie's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can just boil down our thoughts to go watch it. Buy, buy the Blu-ray. Buy the Blu-ray. It's great. The The making of featurette's awesome. Yeah. Um, how, how... The soundtrack's great. How From Beyond the Fog is a movie that makes me want to get get up and make my own movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really, really like about it. Plus, I think it shows that modern day effects can still be challenged with the smaller scale stuff. And I like that. Hmm. Yeah. Again, for such a small budget, it looked really nice. I think almost every aspect of the film is an A+. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think it's perfect. It, it, yeah. I will say this. There is something about it that when it's over, you're like, it's missing something. Hmm. It's not major, but it does feel like something is missing from the story. Yeah. I wish it could be extended a bit. Because hmm. I feel like there was something missing. Hmm, it's hard hmm. to pinpoint what it is. Uh... It might be the aftermath. Maybe. Um, and I definitely feel like it with another like five ten minutes, mm. it could be well. Oh, I think it could even well, be improved with like another, even just like one or two minutes. Possibly, but I I think if if they pushed for more of that thirty minute mark, I think it'd be better. Mm. Um, but e- but even still, it's it's great. <laughs> Go watch mm-hmm. it if you haven't already. And if you haven't seen I'd it, give it, watch it again. Exactly. Uh, I'd give it easily a 4.75 out of 5. Oh yeah, I'd give it like an 8 or a 9 easily. I think 9.5 is my uh, out of 10 it'd be. Hmm. So... I would definitely recommend. Hmm. Go watch it. It's a good movie. <laughs> Very good movie. Um, but I guess segueing now, if you're still here, thank you. The next film and the uh, the last thing we're going to be discussing today is a 2014 short film. Yeah, directed by Kazun 
Kazu, how do you say his name? Kazuhiro Nakagawa. Kazuhiro Nakagawa. Yeah, that's how I say it. Okay. Called Day of the Kaiju. <laughs> um, the same director, and this is why I'm surprised it's not talked about. Yeah. He worked on the Godzilla vs. Evangelion 4D ride. He worked on the Awachi Island uh, video. Attack on Titan 1 and 2, the live-action films. Shin Godzilla, and he directed episode 9 and 10 of Ultraman Z. Yeah. And didn't he also this do guy the... Has great... Didn't he also do the uh, Eiji Tsuburaya Museum uh, short film? I He might have. I think he might have. So it's it's like this guy's got a great resume. Three Kai Godzilla products, yeah. four actually, four. Yeah, Ultraman and Attack on Titan. <laughs> How does this guy not have this film more publicized? Hmm. Um, I mean, I I'd never heard of it until uh, one of the episodes of this podcast from like last year, when you when you uh, briefly touched upon it. Did I? Yeah. Oh, probably during the 2010s retrospective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Because I'd never heard of it before, honestly. I'm I'm happy I've been an advocator to to bring <laughs> it to more light. Hmm. Um, an interesting thing about this film, it's on YouTube. That that's how it was released. It's put on YouTube with English subtitles by the director. <laughs> Which is really weird for this type of film. Mm. Um, but hey, it's available and it's full with subtitles by the director. And it's free. It's, it's free. Go watch it. It's free. Go watch it. Uh, I'll also put a link to this in the show notes. Yeah. Um, but an interesting thing is the day of the kaiju is more like three months of the kaiju yeah and the kaiju is barely in it mm. yeah it, which is an interesting it's mostly take. just dead or at, and at the very end it's revealed to be alive so if you were going to watch it spoiler alert oh, yeah whoops <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's been out for a few years that's true that's true um Plus, it's it's pretty well like hinted at throughout the film. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the whole point of it is that it's alive. Mm -hmm. uh, the film was made directly from the Fukushima disaster. Um, out of frustration, the director said, um, of how the the Japanese government would not like do anything about it. And here's another example. They know it's there's a problem, but they just want to get it over with. Mm. So they gloss over everything, and they're just like, say it's okay and move on. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was very interested um, when I first saw this by the aspect of, um, of the government just wanting it to be over with, not really caring of the the actual ramifications and just trying to manipulate the uh, the experts to say, to just say what they want them 
to say. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting because that's that's something that does happen in real life. Yeah, I was about to say that's kind of relevant right now. Yeah. <laughs> Politics aside. <laughs> Making making the uh, expert say what you want. To... Hmm. Especially when there's money involved. Yeah. Hmm. And and I thought it's obvious that did inspire Shin Guns. Yeah, like there there's there's a shot uh, in the mm-hmm. film where it's from the perspective of a computer monitor, where you can see all the characters trying to squeeze and get a look at what's on the screen and you see a little bit of the screen overlaid on top. Yeah, Shin Godzilla directly took that from this film. Yes. <laughs> um, which should make sense because Shinji Higuchi actually is one of the people who promoted this film. Mm. Uh, he helped him get it uh, sh- uh, shopped around to different different festivals. Mm. And... Uh, Obviously, he worked on Shin Godzilla as a second assistant director. Plus Attack on Titan. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it, they took this from Shin Godzilla. <laughs> or, the, Shin Godzilla <laughs> took this from it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think they knew what they were doing when they put in Shin Godzilla because uh, it is an interesting take for a shot mm. um very claustrophobic very mm. chaotic i think mm. which i i, I think kind of is supposed to represent what is going on at that time mm. you know they're watching looking at stuff and they're describing the the kaiju or they're looking at the dna of godzilla and it's a little crazy what they're looking at so yeah I, I think it fits the mood that they're trying to convey yeah Um, but the film is extremely character focused, which I, I, I really appreciate that aspect. Mm. Yeah, I mean, again, the kaiju, the kaiju is, it's the main plot point of the film. It's the thing that drives the film and the fact that it's dead or not really dead is what drives everything that happens, but you don't see it much. Right. Now, that was because of production budgets, but... Oh, yeah, definitely. But an interesting thing is you don't hear a lot, because, you know, when a kaiju's dead, or looks dead, it's pretty much everybody agrees it's dead. Mm. Um, And then, you know, that's pretty much what happens, and that's why it's always a big surprise to the main characters when it comes back in the third act. Mm. Um, but in this case, it's always like, is it or is it not? Hmm. Let's debate this. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting take for me. Yeah. I I I've, I don't see that a whole lot. I, I personally imagine that it was probably it was probably an idea spawned by limitations because limitations creativity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And the only other kaiju film I can think of that takes off that takes any sort of similar approach is Shin Godzilla. <laughs> Which is not subtle about taking clear influence from Day of the Kaiju. Right. And, I, I mean, at the time when this came out, uh, Shin Godzilla was in its second draft, 
I think its first draft was in twenty. Yeah, I think you. I think you might. Yeah, I think you're right about that. So I, I, what I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if during the rewrite of the second draft, if it might have been the third one, um, Higuchi stopped and watched his friend's film, and then he was like, "You should be a part of our movie we're making. Can we take some, some notes from you?" And he took that inspiration and put it into Shin Godzilla. Mm. Probably got Arno to watch it too. <laughs> Probably. Anno probably did watch it. Mm. Um, which, it's interesting, Shin Godzilla took inspiration from this, but and we're not going to talk about this short film because that would be poor and we're not <laughs> too much. Um, they also took inspiration from Giant God Warrior Attacks Tokyo. Which, to be fair, they themselves made. They made that, but that was from 2013. Mm. And there's obvious uh, visual cues taken from that. Um, that was actually Studio Ghibli film. Yeah. So a very, very interesting live-action Studio Ghibli film. That's Kaiju. Well, I'll probably add that to the Shin Godzilla video or episode, to be honest. <laughs> kind of like a yeah. bonus! Yeah. Um... Because these short films, I think, need a little more highlights. Yeah. Uh, but Day of the Kaiju is very interesting for its approach. It's very original for its time. And it's very interesting to see it come from a short film that's minutes long. Yeah. And the unfortunate part is that's really all the information. Yeah. Um, like, on it. I Like, the most... Like even with the monster, the most I can re- like we can really say on it is that it's it's a whale-like creature that was killed by the Japanese military, washed up on shore a month later, and then it it wakes up at the end very briefly when the facility around that's being built around it is completed, and it's it's design. It has tusks on its design that take that are cued from Gamera. That's about it. That's about all I can say on the film, which is a bit unfortunate that we don't really know more about it. Right. Right. Actually, I think this was the interview that our friends over at Kaiju Transmissions did. Yeah. I think. So, I. Uh... Yeah, and it's a little sad because, like like we've been saying, it influenced Shin Godzilla. Mm. Its director has worked on multiple Godzilla products Yeah, in the last three years. <laughs> he should direct his own Godzilla movie. Yeah, actually. Um, I, I, that could actually be interesting to see. Because... Um, from what I what because I've seen the Godzilla vs. Evangelion uh, info and I've and, and I've seen clips from uh, the Awaji Island. Yeah, and those those are really cool. I, I'd love to see mm-hmm. the Ag Subaraya. Uh, I'd love to see more than just a trailer of that. Right, because that looks awesome. 
do you recall Ultraman Z nine and ten? Uh I vaguely remember. Um uh, was episode nine the one with um Bolton? Or oh. oh no, episode nine was the one with King Joe, and episode ten was with Barota. Oh, that was a, those were actually episode nine is really good of Ultraman Z. Yeah, it, it it was honestly one of the one of the best episodes in the show up to that point. And the Barossa episode was all right, not not as good, but but still all right. That's good to hear. So I mean, he's he's got great stuff. Yeah, and he's got a good future. Both of the directors um, that we're highlighting today have bright futures if they continue. To be honest, yeah, I'm sure both um, you and I would really like to see them do more work. Oh yeah. Uh, I know Brush of the Gods. I don't know if uh, Nakagawa has anything in the future, hmm. but he's been working with Toho. You know, maybe if Toho wants to do a new Godzilla film, they could always bring him on. Hmm. I'm sure Higuchi would put in a good word for him. Yeah. So, that's good. Hmm. And I mean, he, it's an in-house, uh, in-house director too, since, again, he's done previous Godzilla projects. And was an assistant mm-hmm. director for Shin. Right. So I can I so... actually see that being possible. Mm-hmm. So overall, would you say this is as good as Howl? Or what would you... Or actually first... Oh, I guess you did say your history with yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on this film? I, I, I don't think it's as good as Howl, but I don't think it's quite fair to compare them because they're two very different movies mm-hmm. with very different goals, stories since Day of the Kaiju it's, it's about the monster but, you're, but it's not about seeing the monster it's about the question is it alive? Is it dead? Mm-hmm. Where how more focuses on a on a on a girl who's blind and has a strong connection with the monster. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think it's quite right to compare them like that. I I would say I prefer how, um, but I but I do I I like the message of Day of the Kaiju, I do think it's it, it's an important message. Cause these things that do happen, facts get sacrificed for money. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, people do too. Yeah. And then of course I also uh really like Shin Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> which is but which is pretty much why I consider it to be a must watch if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like Shin Godzilla, you need to watch Day of the Kaiju. Yeah, and simple. Yeah, and Giant God Warrior. Yes, uh, both of those films, for me at least, they detracted from Shin. 
because I realized that the originality Shin had was taken from already made projects that are really well done. I mean, here's the thing. The, the, movies always take inspiration from each other. Filmmakers take ideas. I mean, Star Wars, Hidden Fortress, all that. And I've I've said, and I'll go on record, Hidden when I watched Hidden Fortress, I automatically like Star Wars less. <laughs> and I, uh, Shin Godzilla, when I watched Evangelion, I liked the soundtrack less for Shin. <laughs> when I watched God Warrior, I liked Shin's uh, the best scene in Shin a lot less. Mm. When I watched God Warrior, I uh, didn't appreciate the story as much because I. It had been done. Mm. Or you mean Day of the Kaiju? Oh, what did I say? You said God Warrior twice. <laughs> oh. They're both good. God Warrior's really good. Yeah. So it makes sense. I got them mixed up. Mm. But when when I watched this, I was like, so now I know why Shin had an interesting story. It's because they took it from this. Mm. Um for me I had only read about or I had read about it in uh uh, Kevin Derendorf's Kaiju for Hipsters book, mm. and that's what led me because I saw it was on YouTube. I was like, let me let me check this out, and I watched it. Mm. And afterwards, uh, I, uh, I I I was I I was like, this is actually really good, and I found out like nobody's watched it. It says twenty five thousand people have, but a lot of the people I know haven't, and yeah. it's been six years. So twenty five thousand and uh, not six years, seven, seven oh, years. God, it has been. <laughs> so, God. And, and honestly, I'd say this is the the best kaiju film released in the two thousand fourteen for me. Mm. I can only think of one other film that was twenty fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I was thinking that too. Uh, what other film were you thinking about? Yeah. A certain uh, outside of Warzilla. Oops, did I say that? <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, actually, we just covered that film, so I guess we could talk about yeah. that too. Uh, so 2014, the Day of the Kaiju. Which one do you prefer? They're very different. I, I'd very say different. I, I'd say I like Day of the Kaiju more. Um, 2014 is the one I'd rewatch more, but that and have rewatched more, but that's because it's Godzilla. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's Godzilla, <laughs> and then it's also got its own continuity connected to it with the MonsterVerse. Yeah. All right. So, out of five, or out of out of your rating system, what would you give Dave the Kaiju? Seven or an eight. I'd say seven or eight. Yeah, I I'd give it three and a half out of five. Mm. It's good. Mm. It's better than average. Yeah, but it's not like remarkable. Yeah. After watching it, I didn't reconsider my life <laughs> or anything. Yeah, it's it's one of those where I watch it, I enjoy it, but it's not something that changes me. But but that's not a bad thing, right? It's not it's not as bad as what it could be. Yeah, it, it could be far worse. So overall, um, which film do you prefer? 
and then we'll wrap it up with Lincoln since we are actually three minutes away from two hours. Dear God, help me. Um, uh, as I said earlier, I, I'd i say I probably prefer Hal. I mean, I gave it a higher rating. <laughs> yeah. So Fair enough. So yeah, Hal just kind of clicks better with me and even on top of that, I, I think I'd just find Hal a bit more entertaining. Yeah. For me, uh, they... Howl, uh, definitely, it, it's more of a traditional kaiju film. Yeah. And I like traditional kaiju films. Yeah. Um, how, uh, Day of the Kaiju is more of a... It's one of those movies that you'd see at the beginning. Like, it, it, it's to get people interested, but it's not the main event. Mm-hmm. Howl from Beyond the Fog is more of a main event title, I think. Yeah. Um, overall, like, both are great. Uh, both are hidden gems in the kaiju community. Yeah. I, I wish Day of the Kaiju got more uh, notoriety. Mm. I, I hope it gets picked up by, like, SRS or somebody. Because mm. um, it definitely deserves it. Yeah. Again, hopefully... By some miracle, someone listening to this episode goes, Hey, I'm gonna check this out. And maybe they're the person that that discovers all the hidden secrets behind uh Day of the Kaiju. Who knows? That is true, because this film has bare minimum. Exactly. And it needs more. It needs a lot more. Yeah. Just one conversation. One kaiju conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, could, God. Could bring this film into the line. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> so, now that we're... we're we, we've talked out... I, I think we've milked both of these pretty much to the, the most we can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Rex, now that we've pretty well talked these films to the most, where can people find you if, if they want to ask you more questions about these two films? <laughs> well, um, you can find me, firstly, you can find me on YouTube as Rex Zeno, recently passed 800 subscribers, let's go. <laughs> on Twitter, I am Rex at Rex underscore Xenomorph on Instagram I am Rex underscore Xeno and you can I I do some writing you can see some of my work on thatkaijublog.wordpress.com or even I recently started contributing to the Tokusatsu Network as a writer there contributor there so yeah really cool stuff um i've done on that kaiju blog i did an interview with alan maxson the right head of king Ghidorah and godzilla king of the monsters my most recent article was about the production of godzilla vs charles barkley but not gonna lie make it making doing this podcast episode makes me kind of want to write about uh 
a certain the foghorn and how from beyond the fog. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah. Maybe maybe look out for something about that in the near future. I'll I'll I definitely be interested. <laughs> well, um, that is our awesome editor slash. Uh, oh yeah, I also edit the podcast. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> what podcast? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of lame. It's called Kiju Conversation, something like that. Oh, I thought you were going to say Kaiju Weekly or something. I was going to say, yeah, that they're pretty lame. <laughs> I I had to find a way to punch my friends in the gut somehow. <laughs> Stab them. We're going to find I, out I, if they any if any of them listen to me, because. If they hear that, they'll send something. If they don't... Now, now what, now what we if they do hear this, but they hear you saying what you're saying right now and decide, okay, screw you. I'm not sending you a message. <laughs> what then? Then I'll still think they don't listen. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> No, but we we like our friends over at the Kaiju Weekly. In all seriousness, we do like our friends over at the Kaiju Weekly podcast. Travis and Michael are cool guys. Mm. Um, as for me, you can find me on YouTube at EP13 Productions. I don't post a lot because I don't have editing software or a computer. Oh. Uh, recently, I'm about to hit 200 subscribers. Somehow, Rex is better than me, probably because he has a computer and editing software. <laughs> what can I say? But I You're digress. Welcome. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, I also have a Twitter, at ET13Productions, for my official account. I also have a personal account where I post whatever's on my mind. Uh, it's called, it's at ETETHOMAS1975. If you want to listen or follow me and hear whatever's going on in this this big brain of mine right now, hmm. uh, that's that's a great great. Don't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to laugh at you. I, it, it's my job to laugh at you. No, your job's to edit the podcast and not get paid. <laughs> yeah, but so it's not really a job. If I'm not going to get paid. Then I'm going to laugh at you. And you're just going to have to deal with it. You're fired. No. <laughs> uh, but anyway, cut that part out or something. <laughs> Continue. Uh-huh. Uh, but I also have an Instagram at ET13 Product. Uh, yeah, ET13 Productions. Sorry, I had a brain fart moment. It's a little late for me. And outside of that, I also write for Kaiju Ramen Magazine, an awesome fan scene that just had its second issue not too long ago, and very soon will have its third, which may or may not have had a article written by me over some really really good films. Mm. That- I'm going to keep a secret for you guys to buy that issue and read it. <laughs> a lot of cool stuff coming. 
As for the podcast, we have a plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, first of all, we have been review bombed recently. A lot of one star reviews and a lot of no reviews. Um, I, I can't read when you don't type. So I don't know what you want from me. Mm. If you want my clothes, my boots, and my motorcycle, got news for you. I'm keeping my clothes. I don't have boots, and I don't have a motorcycle. Damn. Who would have guessed? Actually, I I will inherit a motorcycle, so. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, eventually I'll have a motorcycle, but you can't have it yet. (laughs) Um, but if you can, uh, please rate us on iTunes that boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to bore people like you. So maybe they'll be interested in listening to us talk about two obscure-ish short films and then three actually. Yeah. And then they'll be like, I should go buy the rights to the Foghorn and release this movie (laughs) and then we can get it released. Somehow, or in if the you... Bradbury family, or the Bradbury yeah. estate, exactly. But somebody needs to do that. If you don't have either of those, because Twitter can be kind of a cesspool and Apple devices are garbage, you can like <laughs> us on Facebook and message us that way, or follow us on Instagram and contact us through those means. If you want to support us and you want to wear our merch, wear our merch really cool i i still don't own one i i should probably i i i should probably order those samples to be honest Uh, doesn't even own his own shirt yeah Uh, you don't either rex shut up (laughs) if you'd like to chat with us one-on-one and and or hear others opinions on different subjects you can join our discord server where we talk about all sorts of things there was a discussion going on. It looks like it's about Heisei Films. Heisei huh. Godzilla Films, to be exact. So, a lot of fun stuff. A lot of cool stuff going on here. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload there. We might be starting up some bloopers for episodes. That's up to Rex, really. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that happens, then this is actually a uh, great episode to start on because there's a lot of goofy stuff um, that was recorded. <laughs> and uh, starting not next month, but the month after announcement time, we will be doing uh, starting back up Toku Fandom Tales, where I bring one person from our Discord server on a voice call with me in the current uh, voice call I'm actually in. And I interview them for 10 minutes talking about how they got into this stuff and what they like to really share and show our appreciation for not only the people on our server, but people in this fandom and hearing how they got into this stuff. Getting another. Get it ready for that. Hmm? Getting another. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. And we also will be starting up our Kaiju Roundtable discussions again, where I will have four or five people. Uh, in a call, preferably the same voice call we're actually in right now, where we will be talking about different subjects that 
we typically wouldn't cover on the podcast like news mm. and really really enjoy each other's uh, company during that editing's gonna be interesting though <laughs> oh yeah it's very interesting <laughs> i wonder how many uh language uh things we have to uh, blur out last time wasn't so bad yeah there's like and a huge, huge thanks to our good friend and editor. Uh, what's his name? Uh, what is it? I think it's he knows his name? with an A. Oh, that's right. A-hole. Alfred. A-hole. Alfred's not an A-hole. <laughs> no, but your editor is. Alfred's really neat. Alpha Alfred's full of turtle meat. <laughs> anyway, a huge thanks to our Rex for editing all of these episodes. His stuff will be found in our description down below. So don't forget to check out these two movies. Um, one is available on YouTube. One is available for pre-order from SRS Cinema on Blu-ray and pre-order for DVD also from uh, SRS Cinema. Hmm. They're very good. And it's always good to help support the little guys like these two. Give them, give Day of the Kaiju a view, a like, subscribe to the guy, comment, and tell him how much you like it and how much you want it on a Blu-ray mm. from SRS Cinema. Hint, as hint, for how it can be on the fog, yeah, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, as for how will, you know, buy it, watch it, tweet it, post it, show people the the love that you have for it, sh uh, show its support. And make sure that everybody knows that you got it from SRS Cinema. And don't forget to show that they have released so much awesome, cool stuff lately. And there is more to come. Mm. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this just as much as we did. So much cool information here. Three short films. Not enough time to talk about them. And a lot of fun bloopers that hopefully will be on a YouTube video. We'll see we'll see <laughs> but thank you guys so much and thank you Rex for being on even though you harass me all the time <laughs> you're welcome oh god <laughs> it's an inside joke but every time he says you're welcome I want to punch him in the face <laughs> thank you guys so much and please remember life's too short to not talk big Bye, guys. Bye.